Welcome to the Ethical Conversations podcast. Today I'm chatting with Camila Bertolini about the current pandemic, how it's impacting nature and what we can learn from it. Camila is a marine biologist who currently works for the University of Venice and runs the blog holisticfish.weebly.com. You can also find her on Instagram at steenella 90 Hello Camila, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm really excited to chat about this topic and kind of learn from you so shall we just like get started the first question can you tell us a bit about you and a bit about your sustainable living journey kind of what started you on wanting to be more eco-friendly yeah so I'm um well I'm a marine biologist Mm -hmm. I always loved nature I always loved sailing and being in the sea and as a marine biologist obviously I studied a lot during uni Mm-hmm. Um, all of the threats that are to the marine ecosystems like overfishing, pollutants, plastic pollutions. Mm-hmm. And so this always struck me as something quite, quite big, some, something quite bad that I was, um, I, want, I was wanting to kind of trying to do something about. And so I'm trying to do something about with my job of researching the issues. So I'm researching climate change on um, benthic ecosystems. Mm-hmm. But also I wanted to do something beyond the science. So I became an activist and also I'm a blogger. So mm-hmm. trying to engage people. Yeah. Right now we're in a world pandemic. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> we live in Venice. So that was, I feel like in Europe, that was one of the first places that kind of got hit, that region of Italy. Um, I was actually in Venice, Carnival. And I had to fly home to England because of the crisis. So it was somewhere that got impacted quite strongly. Did you notice a difference in the way that the Venetians are and the way that life is with the lack of tourists? And I mean, we've all seen the pictures on social media, fish in the canals um, and stuff like that. Did you notice that in real life, a big change? Well, it it was a big change, but it was also... I mean, at the beginning, it wasn't that big. There was less tourists mm-hmm. and people were actually, I mean, as us living there, some of us are actually happier when there are less tourists. Yes. Because, well, the city is ours again. And yeah, it was, it was emptier, but it was still, you know, you could still see each other at the very beginning and life was kind of still going on as normal. And actually people were proud of the fact that life was going on as normal. Mm-hmm. But then after that, well, they, well we were kind of locked in Mm-hmm. by the government by I mean lockdown yeah. so there, there wasn't much to kind of go out and enjoy you, you were only allowed to be within 200 meters of your house mm-hmm. so I'm glad I live very central it was still nice but yeah it was it wasn't exactly as uh, as social media I don't even think I could see a canal mm-hmm. um, within my 200 meters yeah so not really the birds came back came back in that was quite uh Mm-hmm. It was quite a thing, like there was just birds everywhere and a lot of seagulls and kind of nature, nature did come back in because people weren't out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what do you think that coronavirus has shown us about our relationship with nature? What can we learn from this period of slowing down? Um, I think, first of all, we should have learned, and I, I hope we have learned, or at least start thinking about the fact that we are also nature. Mm-hmm. We're not above nature. We're not something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we have technologies and we have all sorts of things that we might think make us smarter, but actually 
actually we've seen that there is no technology that can protect us from from these things which are somewhat natural though i mean maybe our presence make them less natural but still they're natural thing and we are nature mm -hmm. and um and also i hope that because of this we learned that we should respect nature more and uh, we should be we should be careful with modifying and playing with it because well then it can come back to bite us mm -hmm. and how do you think we can do that how can we live alongside nature without harming it and without producing so many things that it just damages the world i i'm one for going into nature i love all sorts of nature things i'm an outdoorsy person and i think we can definitely still enjoy going out into nature mm -hmm. but we need to realize that nature is nature and nature is is like maybe even a little dangerous if you want to put it like this i mean it's not dangerous if you prepare for it mm -hmm. we should go out into nature expecting it to be wild um not expecting it to be uh, pretty and um insects free and all sorts of these things that people maybe nowadays are starting to think so they're enjoying kind of an artificial nature rather than the real nature mm -hmm. whereas i think if we just accept the, the, what nature is and we should accept that nature should be wild and we should go into nature um, with a tent rather than by building a new hotel five stars mm -hmm. then maybe this is how i mean we should enjoy nature by being ourselves more natural perhaps yeah and accept that people do go into nature but they're not always that respectful how does how do people going into nature and even going into the sea and kind of being with coral reefs and with marine creatures how are they disrupting their lives the insects and even the plants well you're going um by by going out and you by by this i say for example you put in like um you destroy a piece or you this you you put a road through a forest because you need to pass there because there are two villages and you want to join them and you, you cut the forest into two mm -hmm. you completely separate and segregate um that you have the interactions that are happening there predator prey and the grazer the, the mating behaviors um something happening at daytime so us going into it can definitely have an effect that we are not even thinking that we might have but actually we are having can you tell us a little bit about the decrease in pollution that we're seeing due to coronavirus do you think that after the pandemic is over and life begins to go back to normal the countries will go into overdrive they will begin to produce more and more emissions to try and make up for lost time i'm i'm definitely afraid that that's what's going to happen if that's not already what's happening mm -hmm. i think we've seen a decrease in pollution but it's not been um how do i say i mean it's only been kind of a, a small decrease in pollution given by the fact that cars weren't going out and um, maybe yeah, there was less transport although there was still transport there were still planes going like cargo planes and ships shipping and for example in Italy a big thing that happened was that people couldn't go out buying things so they just bought a lot of things on Amazon mm -hmm. and so actually production really continued and shipping continued and actually there was a lot of yeah things being moved around and there was actually a study that found that 
um, for example, in New York, mm -hmm. there wasn't, there was yet yeah, a little decrease in pollution, but it wasn't that much because factories um, that are in the area are still going on. Whereas, for example, Paris, which has no factories mm -hmm. in the city, so a lot of, so a big decrease in pollution because, um, because the cars weren't going out and they were the main source. So it also depends what the source of pollution in the place was. Mm -hmm. And so I'm afraid that now that things are starting to open again, and even, I mean, here they, they are opening slightly things, but mm -hmm. they're opening more the production side of things. And you still can, I mean, the factories can open, but I still cannot go out to dinner with my friends. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I'm afraid that it's going to actually go into override. And now the economies are down and everything, and everybody's really forgetting about the fact that, I mean, we, we, this this came up maybe because of our relationship with nature also mm -hmm. um, climate change all of these things are happening all of these things are creating big damage and nobody is um, forgetting about this because money because economy and I don't know yes and do you think that that we're seeing now in the UK coming out of lockdown in Italy you're you've some things are opening again like you said do you think that people and the big corporations they just don't care because they're making money so why should they care about nature and the environment yeah i'm afraid that's i'm afraid that this is this is it but i'm afraid that if they the least the least they, they care the more these things are going to happen again and again mm -hmm. um and maybe it's the, maybe next time it's not a virus but we already had the big fires in australia we had the high water events in venice in november i mean venice this year was really battered down by okay first environmental things and now a virus which is still natural and environmental thing it's not a war given you know it's not a people thing it's um mm -hmm. a natural uh thing so yes i'm afraid that these things are gonna happen more and more and they don't care because the immediate money are there but they should see a long longer range mm -hmm. um, ahead of them yeah. Do you think that people, kind of individuals, are starting to change their thoughts on it, um, especially during the crisis where they're having to slow down, they're maybe not driving to work as much and they're not being able to afford to buy as much? Do you think that consumers are starting to wise up and switch on to sustainability or do you think that people will just forget as soon as this is over? I'm afraid that people will forget as soon as this is over. I think this has maybe taught somebody some things about the fact that working from home is possible. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's maybe nicer to, to stay home and cook your lunch instead of eating mm -hmm. to go. But I also think that people are so fed up with it. They yes. cannot wait to start living again and go full speed again. I mean, I, I slowed down a lot in my life. I mean, working from home and I was, I was even forgetting to have dinner before this, before the lockdown happened. I was mm -hmm. running full speeds um, all day out of the house, just coming home to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then, well, I was home all day. So I, I learned to reappreciate, to appreciate again something. So I hope that the same way that it happened to me, it happens to other people as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Optimistic, but not sure <laughs> if it yeah. will actually happen. So... I was reading recently quite a lot about the cruise ships that land in Venice and then lots of tourists go off, have a day in Venice, get back on the cruise ships and then the cruise ships leave. But whilst the cruise ships are in the port, they're polluting the water. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Well, the cruise ships are, are coming in, but they are not connecting, for example, to the, to the power on, on the shore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they, they spend less money connecting to the power and then, than to use their own, um, their own engine. So they have their engine on all time. Mm-hmm. And then that's really, really pollutant, not just for the environment, actually, also for their polluting the air a lot. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that things like air pollution, like from um, uh, PM2.5 uh, and PM10, um, like fine powder, fine, fine dust. I don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't, cannot think of the name in English <laughs> right now. But yeah, from, from this pollutant, um, it's actually quite bad for, for us as well, for it might have been correlated to coronavirus spreading mm-hmm. and is also a cause of mortality for a lot of people mm-hmm. um not just not just the lagoon which is um, already quite polluted and doesn't really need any extra pollution from the ships yeah uh, and then well another problem with the cruise ships there is that they're dredging um the lagoon they have to dredge the lagoon down deeper to mm-hmm. let them pass in and that's contributing a lot to erosions and a lot of other natural and political issues there. Mm-hmm. Your primary work is with marine creatures. and in, We saw videos of dolphins like returning to Sardinia, which is also quite a big cruise port and lots of boats go there. Do you think that marine animals are going to start to return to ports and areas where, which normally see a lot of boat traffic? And what is going to happen to them once tourism starts back up again? I think that they are the same way that also land animals are coming back to cities because well there is no noise and and there is um, there is empty spaces and well they're coming back mm-hmm. and they're, they're also coming back but i think that as soon as big boats are coming i mean noise and boats pollution boats noising pollution it's a big issue for marine mammals because they use noise um they use sound um to catch prey and um, to communicate so as soon as I think as soon as sounds come back, they will disappear again. I mean, they're they're just gonna go disappear deeper down or um, in deeper waters um, offshore. They're not gonna die, but they're gonna move away. I think. Do boats cause a lot of harm? Um, kind of tourist boats to marine animals. Is that a common thing that happens? If 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 the if the animals are sometimes the animals are resident population, so they will stay there, mm-hmm. and then there are a lot of boat collisions, mm-hmm. um, and also tourist boats that because they have the tourists and they want to go and see the dolphin, they go and chase the dolphins down mm-hmm. rather than stay at the distance that they're meant to stay. So accidents happen, but I think in many cases animals that are not resident, I mean these ones that are coming back, maybe. They're just coming back to feed or to, to, to see, but they're not necessarily going to become resident populations there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're resident somewhere else. So I think not so bad. Yeah. Do you think that everything that's going on in the world and before coronavirus and there will be an after coronavirus, what would you change if you look at it all about the world? If you could change something to do with sustainability, what would it be? What laws would you create? What would you do to kind of make nature? Um, well, I am a big kind of anti-consumerist mm-hmm. person. I really hate this fact that we have to buy, 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 consume, consume, consume. Mm-hmm. And as if we need a new phone every year, as if you need a new iPhone 10, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I think, I think they're doing pretty much everything they're meant to be doing uh, right now. If we could make me coffee in the morning, maybe, but um, I don't think we need so much stuff. So for me, if I could, if I, if, if I could do one thing about the world, it would be to kind of shut down all of these big um, making, uh, big industries, big, um, big businesses, multinationals in particular, and go back to small uh, small consumers, small, small, small mm-hmm. factories, small things like local consuming. Yeah. And um, I, I know that many people would say uh, that there are a lot of employed um, people in these businesses and, and what you're going to do. But I think new jobs will come up, new things will come up and we just should just be, I mean, it just takes a little bit of bravery mm-hmm. to move away from the current situation. And really, I think it could impact, a, could have a big effect. Mm-hmm. So in your day-to-day life, what do you do to be more sustainable? Um, well, I try and do my best to avoid um, single-use items. Um, so I really don't get like the plastic bags in the, um, to, to get the vegetables in. Actually, I tend to shop at the markets when, when I can, um, to buy local and support like local businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't buy a lot. I try to. Well, I walk a lot. I'm, I'm in Venice, so that's easy. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I don't own a car. Um, mm-hmm. And if I need to go somewhere, I would share um, share traveling as well. So go like couch surfing rather than big uh, big hotel chains. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just try to be the more mindful mindful of my actions from from the morning to till the evening, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, and I noticed when I was living in Italy, um, people took recycling a lot more seriously. And I don't know if that was just the region I was living in, but in Venice, uh, how is the recycling? And what are people's attitudes towards it? Well, I think it's quite it's quite easy actually to recycle. Now they come door to door also to collect your items and you just, um, because they can only collect the norm. Unfortunately, we don't have the, compost yet in the city center um they have in the mainland but not on the islands mm-hmm. so we have like um, normal rubbish and then the recyclable which are either plastic and glass and metal or the card um mm-hmm. paper and cardboard and one day you have plastic and one day you have paper so mm-hmm. it's, it's quite easy actually yeah and just put it out so i think people are quite encouraged to to do it Mm-hmm. And do you think that people do live more sustainably and shop locally and shop less in Venice in the city centre? Do you experience culture um, of consumption or are people switching on a bit to the sustainable side? There are some people, I think maybe because I'm a sustainable person with a sustainable mind I also tend to have a lot of sustainable friends mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of one of the dangers of like being in a bubble and not really seeing what's out yeah. so I can tell you that there are some sustain- really nice new sustainable shops and mm-hmm. nice local local places and and I could tell you that there is a culture shift at the same time I know a lot of people that are just buying a lot of uh, I've been taking the bus to go to the local like um, big shopping centers and mm-hmm. buying things there of course we don't have a shopping center on the island but mm-hmm. you can all, all, always see the amazons being delivered and mm-hmm. all of these sorts of things so i i don't know i would like to say yes but mm-hmm. i might be biased to say yes so maybe actually not so much mm-hmm. and 
in Venice, there are a lot of islands kind of off the mainland, like in the lagoon. And are they still fishing? Is there a lot of fishing there or is old fishing villages? Well, there is still uh, the, the big fishing happening on the south part of the lagoon. Mm-hmm. Actually, the artisan, the small artisanal fisheries that were happening in the other islands, so for example, the soft, the soft shell crabs mm-hmm. and things like that are getting less and less. And now there are only actually a few of them doing it. And some of them are actually old. So they're not really passing, they're not found anyone to pass on the tradition to. Mm-hmm. I think that's a bit of a shame that some things are going to get lost, but there are, there are no money in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too, the, the cost benefit to it are very little. You put so much effort into it for, for, for not much. Mm-hmm. And they're destroying the lagoon ecosystem so much with other things that actually the, the fishing industry in there, it's not, it's not very, um, very likely to. I mean, it's not very productive. Mm-hmm. So, are you noticing a shift with like imported fish or fish that are fished from like, other places in Europe? Um, well, most the... of the fish comes from from come from the sea, but they go out with the big boats. Yeah, the big trawlers, yeah, and it's like do. big companies. Yes, it's mm-hmm. more like that. And is there a discontent among people that live in Venice for this taking away the business and the traditions from the smaller fishermen? Um, not, not so much. I think people in Venice are like people everywhere else and nowadays anyway, and they're kind of more concentrated about money and um, mm-hmm. they, they, they want the money. So, I mean, tourists bring money. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think, unfortunately, the perspective is still that there are only a few Venetians. That, of course, there are some that are caring, that are worried, that are fighting. That's why we have a lot of there is a lot of activism in Venice, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think sometimes there is maybe too much activism, and you can lose um, you can lose energy because you're dis- you're you're disrupting all of the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, in small groups rather than really do something impactful. Can you tell us a bit more about the activism events? Is it writing to politicians? What sort of things do you get involved in? Um, it's um, well, writing to politicians. Um, part being like part of I'm part of a political group where we're trying to um, do oppositions and try and shift the perspective about what's happening. Um, what's happening um, nowadays and what's the current situation with the council. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to kind of demonstrate what they're doing wrong and really trying to be transparent and trying to uh, form a new political way, which is based on people being present mm-hmm. and based on citizens being being active rather than passive part of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of active participation. Yeah. And I'm also involved with uh, We Are Here Venice and we are um, actually an environmental activism, so we're doing active, whereas with my university job, I mostly do research, so I study what's going on mm-hmm. with them. We are I'm trying, I'm kind of consulting for them to do some um, habitat restoration and mm-hmm. um, actually act so active, um, active ecology, active environmentalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, restoring habitats and ecosystems in the city centre. Um, well, no, the, the lagoon, actually the city center of Venice, it's quite small if you compare it to the whole, to the whole lagoon and the whole lagoon ecosystem is what's, well, protecting Venice and 
um, and been uh, important for for the whole for the whole ecosystem for the whole well mm -hmm. the whole health of the of the area. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to restore some salt marsh, um, which were there um, along. I mean, there are still salt marsh in the area, but they, they've been degraded so much because of a lot of dredging that was done. And then they, they deviated the, the river's input back um, a, a long, long time ago, but still um, it had some impacts by stopping the sediments coming in the lagoon. And now because it's also deeper, the sediments are going out much faster. Um, and so there are some unbalances there that mm -hmm. hopefully by restoring uh, some of the marshes we can we can help uh, with and also some of the the salt marshes are very good uh, carbon sequestering mm -hmm. uh, sequestration habitat so they can maybe also help counteracting climate change a little bit mm -hmm. as well as maybe avoiding some of the biggest flooding um, so they can attenuate flooding a little bit and wave actions so it can also maybe help with the next high waters next autumn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you noticed a difference from your childhood and like being in Venice younger to now how the water, the high waters like in Venice changed? Are they a lot more like prevalent now? Well, there, there's always, there's always been high water, but mm -hmm. there never been like such, such events like this year where I've been, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, I don't know, from the 12th of November until Christmas Day, we had basically high water every day mm -hmm. and like really high as well, not just a little high. Mm -hmm. And last year in May, there was high water, there was also snow. It was, it was a mental, it's been a mental year, but it's, it was also like this a few years ago. And so there's, there's, there's been an increase in the, in the not just in the height of the high water but also in how many times and also it's been sometimes shifted in terms of when it's happening mm -hmm. so you get a lot of weird ones which mm -hmm. are not i mean usually yes november december is always been high water but never this never this much actually mm -hmm. now are people in venice kind of getting really concerned about this and what it's going to mean going forward every year if you're going to have that high of a water and are they starting to think more about climate change and what they can do to prevent it because it is a really big problem for people with shops and people with homes the bottom floors it can destroy stock and food and everything yeah unfortunately i think that while we are trying to make people think that this is due to climate change, mm -hmm. uh, people are not, I don't know, they're not seeing, they're, they're seeing climate change, but they want action from the politicians and they want actions right now, mm -hmm. but for the right now and for, I don't know, saving their businesses right now rather than long term for climate change. So I think one of the issues now with, with our societies as, as we are now is, that we are really short-sighted mm -hmm. and we, we cannot see longer. We are seeing now, we are seeing that maybe we cannot work today. Let's fix that I cannot work today rather than let's fix that maybe next year this time will be the same. But yeah. I'm only focused on now and today. So mm -hmm. it's actually quite, I mean, as I say, I'm with this activism group. So we're talking a lot about climate change and mm -hmm. um, I'm in my bubble. But I, I realized that when I try to speak to people, maybe also have shops that are my friends, um, they're not really getting it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's quite a struggle. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite frustrating. <laughs> yeah. 
So one last question. If you could tell the whole world one message to do with nature and sustainability, what would you tell them? Enjoy, but respect. Mm -hmm. I think uh, this is my message. Yeah. Are you ready to do the quick fire round with some questions? Let's do for the quick fire round. Okay. So do you prefer organic cotton or tencel made from trees? Organic cotton. Um, oat milk or soy milk? Um, oat milk. A reusable water bottle or a coffee travel cup? Coffee travel cup. Do you prefer travelling by train or bus? Ah, train, train. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you prefer buying vintage or upcycled? Oh, vintage. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you very much. This has been really interesting. I've definitely learned a lot and I hope that people can start to think more about sustainability and climate change, realise that we're going to lose nature if we don't do something about it. Let's hope we can send this message. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> thank too. you so much for this. Okay, thank you very much for taking some time to chat to me. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ethical Conversations podcast. Make sure to check out Camila's blog, holisticfish.weebly.com and her Instagram at steenella 90 While you're at it, why not follow the podcast on Instagram at Ethical Conversations Podcast. If you've got a spare two minutes, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, share to your Instagram stories and let me know your thoughts on the episode. I've been your host at Jesswick underscore and I hope you'll tune in next week for some more Ethical Conversations. Bye for now.